0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Jacqueline.
1: And it's Alana. Welcome back to another episode of Black and Yellow.
0: Yay!
1: We have survived, Jackie. We have survived weekend one of Coachella.
0: We have. And with Coachella comes a lot of things. But the main topic we're talking about, which we're both really excited, is...
1: Fast fashion. fashion. Yeah,
0: more like fast fashion. (laughs) Fast fashion. Say that really fast.
1: Totally. It seems like around this time of year, uh, fast fashion stores, that would be stores like Forever 21, H&M, Zara. Zara. Those stores really see a big upswing in sales because everyone's getting their on-trend pieces together, their on-trend outfits together for the mass culture, music, art, social event that is Coachella.
0: Yes. And amongst other festivals that just sort of, it's that summer festivals in general. But now there's this whole festival. uh, uh, What would you call it? There's a festival
1: Um, bubble that's kind of burst. Like there's a festival
0: that seems in every city. Yeah. yeah, Every major city. And I don't think there was a fashion just for festivals I think I think there always was but I think now it's become way more mainstream than ever before okay Whereas before I feel like festivals were you had what you had you put things two, two and two together or you like you made something or you like like there was a sense to it but like it wasn't this mainstream
1: I love was you it? so much that you think that Jackie like because I wholeheartedly disagree with you really wholeheartedly it, I, just... I have never met a festival that I don't like I've been to Coachella I've been to outside lands I've been to hardly strictly I've I've been to Hard. I've been to EDC, I've been to FYF. Uh, Am I missing anything? I probably am. Um, To me, fashion and festivals go together like peanut butter and jelly.
0: I see. No, I mean, like, I agree. I just don't think it was this mainstream. Like, Forever 21. I see what you're saying. Five to ten years ago, wasn't catering to this festival yes. group. Yes, It existed, and it was this thing that mm-hmm. existed at festivals where you would go, and you'd be inspired, and you'd get creative, yeah. and you'd make, and build, and put together. I see the point you're making. Versus actually, that's what, the point I'm making. Okay,
1: yeah, like H&M <laughs> didn't have a they didn't Coachella cater. line no, ten years they never, ago. No, they
0: never catered to this festival Niche group, whatever that it is that they are, you know that that didn't exist. I never walked into Forever Twenty One and been like, "Oh yeah, those were that's what's gonna be hot at a festival." It was just like, right, you know, yeah, and totally. So within that has come more of this whole fast fashion.
1: I think as festivals get more and more commercial, that's yeah. That's and more people. I mean, let's be real. Festivals are a rite of passage. Yes. For teenagers, for college kids. I guess f- still for some adults that are looking yeah. to. And
0: a lot of adults take their kids. It's true. If you're so, if the festivals are so in your
1: culture, or in your blood. area, yeah, and yeah.
0: family. I mean, you take them to. I went to. Um... Oh, totally slipping my mind right now. That one festival, which I oh, I went to Lightning in a Bottle. Oh yeah. I've never been. I think it's like like Burning Man light. Yes. Which I
1: do go to. I go to Burning Man, but I've never been to LIB. They do recommend
0: it. They they recommend going to LIB if you want to, if you're interested in going to Burning Man. Yeah. Which I absolutely loved. And a lot of people took their kids and it was so cute to see their like babies and moms and. I do
1: see families at Burning Man as well. I also yeah. see families at Outside Lands, which is oh, in San Francisco. Right, right, right. Because I think Outside Lands has like a generational act where I think huh. it spans a couple of different generations so it can cater to older generations but also younger generations. generations. Uh, the first year I went, Paul McCartney headlined, and so I went with my boyfriend and his parents oh, and awesome. his sister, which was super fun uh, and a great way to connect. Yeah, and I definitely a spent a shit ton of money on the outfits that I was wearing. Make no mistake about it. There you go. You got to <laughs> So this particular episode is really fun for Jack and I. Yes. I think because normally we put on our feminist hats, our, our, our racial expert hats. But this particular episode, we're putting on our fashionista hats mm-hmm. and our environmentalista hats mm-hmm. and our naturalista mm-hmm. hats. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about this episode. Me too. So we're talking about fast fashion. We're talking about specifically why fast fashion is such big business in Asian countries. Specifically. And why fast fashion consumers tend to be very much Asian. Yes. Yes. We're answering those two questions today. So before we get into the answers for those questions, let's talk about what fast fashion actually is. So fast fashion is a term it's used by fashion retailers to express... The fact that designs move from catwalk or runway or lookbook to capture current fashion trends. So fast fashion clothing collections are based on the most recent fashion trends presented at Fashion Week in brand lookbooks. Perhaps you might see these clothes on the backs of fashion influencers, celebrities and uh, fast fashion retailers take these looks, they water them down to make them street level appropriate, to make them everyday wearable. Mm. They recreate them very, very fast, and then they sell them as quickly as they are created. Mm. So the idea of fast fashion is uh, high consumption, high turnover, but not necessarily
0: the highest of quality. Yes. We all, if anyone has ever shopped at any of these stores, you'd know that couple months from now if you really like that one pair of shirt in a couple of months it's it's gone <laughs> right
1: exactly yeah so essentially the process for fast fashion is let's say that you have a Chiara Ferrangi from the blonde salad or a Leandra Medin from the man repeller let's say that they're wearing a look that might be similar to something straight off the runway you'd get a picture of that that ends up on a Fashion inspiration board for a Zara Inditex, a H&M, a Forever 21, that's the essential, that's the essence of what they're trying to create. So if it's an Mm. awesome, yellow, frilly, cutout dress that one of those ladies is wearing, an H&M will come along and essentially rip that idea off. They'll recreate it using products that not necessarily are the best quality but are really trendy, really of the moment and affordable, affordable, totally
0: for the middle class.
1: Right. And retailers know that the general public wants to wear these designs that are perhaps a little bit too expensive. Mm. So they recreate them super fast, get them into stores super fast. And then, boom, the trend is done after a week or so. And it's on to the next garment.
0: And so I'm not a fashionista, although I do love fashion and enjoy it. And I think it's. Something very creative and fun. How many seasons would you say a normal fashion uh, if you were? How many seasons are there? Is it typically four? Like winter, spring, summer, fall? So
1: it used to be two. It used to be spring, summer, fall, winter. And then it became four. Spring, summer, autumn, or fall, winter. Yeah. Now it's a little different. It is. Now there's 52 micro seasons. That blows my mind. If you that know That turnover anything, rate
0: must be so fast. Holy
1: oh, yeah. shit. Totally. So there's 52 micro-seasons, but there's also 52 of something else, Jackie, right? Aren't there 52 weeks in a year? Yeah. So that means that with these micro-seasons, every week is Pumping a different out. trend that's being pumped out. Wow. Which means the week before... Those clothes are essentially going on a very hot, fast, quick sale Mm -hmm. so that these retailers can make room for new on-trend pieces
0: to come in. That's so scary to me.
1: Right. And if we're talking about stores like Zara, like Zara gets two shipments in a week. But H&M and Forever 21, for instance, they get new shipments in every day.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: So they are cranking out clothes as fast as humanly possible. But then once those clothes are, are thought of as out of trend or quote-unquote dated, right. they are put on a very fast sale. And the hope is that consumers come in, are intoxicated by the low prices, and purchase. Yes. There's a problem, though, with fast fashion, There's- right? A huge problem with fast uh, fashion. I know you are very passionate about discussing this. <laughs> I am take it, Jackie. Very,
0: it, I'm so passionate about this only because throughout my journey, if I could share a little bit about it, is that I I was one of these people, uh-huh. classic consumer, walking into Forever Twenty One. Oh my god, nine dollars? Yep. Ooh, bad girl. <laughs> um. Oh, this is only six dollars. Totally buying it cheap, whatever. A couple months from now, throwing it out. It's there's it's faded or it's ripped or something about it. And then I stumbled upon this documentary on Netflix called "The True Cost," mm-hmm. which was that documentary on fast fashion and how it it really is detrimental to our environment and human rights. And so I'm just going to get in. Go for it. Tell us what's
1: wrong with fast fashion. So uh,
0: there are so many issues, but I I, I would first start with the environmental impacts it is. Mm -hmm. So uh, just a a couple statistics. Uh, It is a $2.5 trillion fashion industry, which is the second largest water user. Wow, This is taken straight from the United Nations Economic Commission for Europe, which Europe is sort of leading the way in making uh, this whole fast fashion hopefully more responsible Mm -hmm. for what they're doing to this planet. Uh, 10% global carbon emissions, 20% global wastewater, one cotton shirt costs two or it takes 2,700 liters of water one cotton shirt. I'm thinking about how many cotton shirts I own. Yeah, doing the math the, myself too. Is the amount of water a person drinks in two and a half years. Damn. And, and Damn. then you want to take that to another environmental aspect, the amount of pesticides these farmers have to spray on their cotton mm. fields in Texas or, you know, a lot of, I mean, the one in Netflix, they show, they, they interview this farm on Texas. And then the detriments of those pesticides on the farmer's health. Mm, so you yeah. see the link. I think one of the farmers died of cancer or something where they found that the pesticides actually had a direct link to his illness which caused him to die. I'm not shocked. Um it just it's just there's so many that I I realized that I couldn't support anymore. I mm-hmm. couldn't be part of this this industry that was giving into or uh, adding to our current climate situation, uh, talking about the unsafe conditions, the child labor, yep. these people that are literally, they literally call it a sweatshop, uh, that are working in extreme unsafe conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I mean, they call it the dirty labor secrets of fast fashion. There was this one big garment building, outside of Bangladesh about a couple years ago. Heard about this. um, Where the building fell because no one was keeping up with safety regulations and checking in and seeing what it is. And about 1,200 garment workers died. (sighs) Literally, there's footage of... Of the rubble and people and everyone going there and crying and families. And you could still hear people muffled Mm -hmm. underneath the concrete screaming for their lives and slowly dying. Yeah. Because they couldn't get to them fast enough. Right. And they had to rescue how many other hundreds of people. Yeah. Uh, I think the problem that it is, is that to 30% of our clothes... Sorry, in 1960, 95% of our clothes was actually made in U.S. 1960, this is only, what, 60 years ago? Yeah. Just about, right? Yeah. 95% of our clothes were made in the U.S. Whoa. Yes. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. And forward, uh, now only 3% of our entire um, made in America, only 3% is now made in America. We do a lot of importing. Yeah. One of the biggest problems is that the cost has gone up and the prices have gone down. Of course. Which you touched on. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, let's take Zara, for example. Mm-hmm. They sort of freelance or they go to this hub factory to tell them, hey, this is what we need to get done. Then they farm out production to a series of spoke factories. And I think what they explain in the documentary as well is, and then these factories do subcontracts, yeah. with other little factories, and then Zara doesn't know about. So Zara actually, because when this garment building fell because of disregarding safety measures, mm-hmm. so many big name stores, or let's say you know these these stores, said they weren't associated with this uh, sweatshop falling or this building or these people, when actually they were directly tied. But they didn't even know because where Zara was, like, it was getting subcontracted to the point where Zara didn't even know that their clothes were getting made. Parts of their clothes were getting made in these buildings. Ah, okay. Does that make sense? There was no way for Zara to know. Yeah, because these, whoever they contract with then subcontracts to these smaller other little sweatshops Mm -hmm. that are paying, what, $2 a week? Yep. You know, yeah, and there's this whole argument that for these people in these countries, this job is better than any other job that they could have in their own country. Right. Which I get, but I think it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many other ways to go about it. And the biggest problem that these garment factories uh, owners have is that the whole you know idea of the cost has gone up, but the price has gone down. So they're saying we're going to sell this garment for before we were selling this garment for three dollars. Right. Now we need it for. One fifty, so we could sell it for one ninety nine. Right, but I but I have to charge you five dollars instead of four. Right, you know. So how do we keep up? Yeah, how do you keep up when you're constantly, cost is going up, prices are going down, and and this whole and then it's just like a never ending cycle.
1: Well, let's talk about the
0: pricing for a second
1: because I'm glad you brought that up because I know. That for some people going into a fast fashion store like a Zara or an H and M or a Forever 21, a Wet Seal, a Uniqlo, wet whatever, seal. I know, right? 90s blast yeah. from the past, 90s babies. Um, let's just talk about how those garments get priced, because if we're paying 30 to 40 bucks for a pair of pants, which is for some people that's reasonable, for other people that price is too good to be true. Who's really Losing right, because if we're paying low prices, someone else is really paying the difference, and we- those people are the laborers.
0: Absolutely, a hundred percent, a hundred
1: percent. So generally, fa- fast fashion stores can pay, can charge such low prices for a couple reasons. They don't have to employ a designer. Read, they don't have to pay a designer because mm-hmm. a lot of the garments that they mm. are selling are essentially knockoffs and ripoffs of higher-end, premium designers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's the first thing. So they don't have to pay a designer so they can easily save that money and charge lower prices. They can also, like you were saying, they can bypass quality control and manufacturing safety standards since they're Im- they're costly to implement. And so they could look the other way when it comes to things like the use of toxic chemicals yeah. in clothing or frequent employee hospitalizations or the number of fires or buildings collapsing. Yeah,
0: what are they, s- they say... They say it's a they one eye open and one eye closed. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then the third and biggest reason that they can get away with such low prices is that they don't have to pay the laborers adequate or livable wages. Nope, not so at that's all. all of that combined is why you get charged thirty bucks for a pair of pants or two dollars for a tank top.
0: Absolutely. And the truth is is that the average person buys way more clothes than ever before in the history of buying clothes history and keeps them for half as long. Yeah. Which is extremely detrimental to our land in itself. Mm -hmm. These clothes that end up, you think you're giving them away, only 10% of the entire activity gets sold in thrift stores. Right. Only 10 fucking percent.
1: Yeah, I used to be a buyer at Buffalo Exchange and Mm. I would be... Surprise the amount of people that would come in and bring in very worn Forever 21 tops with pit stains that were once embellished, but half of the embellishments gone. were gone. <laughs> and I wouldn't buy them for the store. And they'd be like, how dare you? That top was 40 bucks. And I'd be like, well, yeah, but do you want to wear this pit stained half embellished shirt? Right. Oh, you don't? Because you're selling it to us. You obviously don't want to. What makes you think someone else wants to buy it?
0: Seriously, tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. And these, I think it's 82 tons of textile waste a year, which is a huge impact on developing, developing, keyword, developing countries here that are not biodegradable. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. They sit in landfills for more than 200 years.
1: Because remember, fast fashion clothes are not meant to be quality clothes. They're meant to be disposable. They're meant to fall apart. So they're
0: synthetic. Right. You know, they're... The, the, it's not a pure because again, it's expensive to get 100% cotton, 100% totally. silk, 100% cashmere wool, whatever it may be for you. Uh, but, but the impacts of it are so long lasting for generation that it's really not worth it. Yeah. The minute you can open your eye and become educated about how yours, your $30 at, f- at, at Forever 21 is directly affecting a child in Vietnam who's only 12. Mm-hmm is 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 more than I I mean, it says everything for itself. It's just not worth it,
1: yeah, but you have to remember that the currency of fashion in general, fast fashion or not, the currency of the fashion industry is insecurity. yes. the in the fashion industry specifically fast fashion. Wants you to feel like your
0: clothes are almost out like of a day. high. Yes, too. I've been yes. there where I'm like, oh my god, I'm I'm on a high right now. Yeah, I got five five garments and I only paid twenty dollars. What the yeah. heck?
1: And there are neurological studies that show that in the brain, when you are shopping a fast fashion store, it's less about the garment that you end up purchasing mm-hmm. and more about the thrill of the hunt. Yes, and the we've all been there, of course, and the securing of a quote unquote good deal. Yes. Definitely. That totally is stimulated in the brain, 100%.
0: Yes. And fast
1: fashion stores are kind of like a drug, if you will. You know, if you're addicted to something like cocaine, you do cocaine, you got to get more cocaine to do more cocaine to feed the addiction. Fast fashion is the same thing. Yeah. You go to a fast fashion store to get the of the week trendy piece and then you wear it until it's no longer wearable. You
0: toss it out and you get more. And Mm -hmm. it's a cycle and it just keeps Mm -hmm. going. So I'm going to touch a little bit about how, how it ended up sort of becoming really popular in Asian countries mm-hmm. and sort of why it's mostly so big in Asian countries. Yeah. So if we take it back a little bit, which if you want to chime in at any time, obviously go for it. Um, so design and manufacturing back then used to happen in Asia and India. Right. Right. The biggest issue now is that there's a separation of the two. Oh, okay. Designs happen in mostly Europe and North America, mm-hmm. and the manufacturing of it is still in ancient India. Hence yeah. the sweatshops, the mm-hmm. child labor, so on and so forth. And with the rise, if you look at India and Asia, which combined, you know, five, six billion, seven billion people, yeah, that obviously now have come into a sort of middle class, higher middle class, yeah, uh status Mm -hmm. you see and now with the boom of the economy and the boom of these fast fashion stores that are now readily available to billions of people right they've boomed there more than anywhere else totally and if you think about for me if i if i if my since i'm first generation let's say i'm if the same thing if i went back to china or something and i would have access to work in the city. Mm-hmm. Whereas most people didn't work in the city before. They worked at home. It was a family business. You ran a farm. Yeah. So more and more now you see second generation going to the city to work. And you adapt that sort of that city lifestyle, which includes shopping. Right. That their parents couldn't shop before they were That's right. They were, I don't know, feeding the donkey mm-hmm. and, and milling stone milling. And now you don't need to do that because there's machines to do that. Right. Right? So With the rise of that and with the rise of that addiction that you say and I think the whole idea of of communism and the idea that maybe...
1: Yes, communism was big in China.
0: Is, was, is, yes. Yes, yes,
1: sorry. The the ripple effects are still felt, I think is what I meant to say. So I
0: think they don't have much of identity because they kind of can't. They're all sort of this kind of one kind of person. And you kind of feel that. I don't know if whenever you go. But when I went to China, I felt that people didn't really have... Would you love that? They didn't really have much of their own identity because they're kind of not allowed to, and the way the government is, it's just one thing. One, mm-hmm. one That's it, right? And so I believe that this fast fashion sort of shopping gives them control over some sort of identity that they can still be creative. Yeah. Well, I can't do this. Well, I can't be this kind of person in my job or this kind of person in society because of the government or go and have more than one kids or whatever it right. is, but I can buy this beautiful dress and feel good. Mm -hmm. And so that only sort of makes those businesses there even bigger and that conscious and awareness idea of fast fashion even harder to grasp.
1: Right, because when communism was in effect in China, the idea was... Dress in a way that didn't show status or rank yeah. in society. And that's
0: still kind of there. Whether whether it's not so an appearance, right? It's still there in in their mentality. brain and mentality. The mentality is a hundred percent still there.
1: And wasn't wasn't part of communism? Like there was a thought that if everyone dressed similarly, it was like presenting a united national front. Definitely, everyone sort of looked the same. No one poked out, and if you and you
0: can't, if you poke out, you it was looked down upon. Yeah, why would you want to do that? And there's and the amount the fear that you have for right. being an individual. I mean, you just you just don't do that.
1: And so once communism rule fell and people had all these options stylistically, yeah. Why wouldn't you want to be preppy one day, want to be bohemian one day, want to be goth one day, want to be glam? I mean, you have so many options available to you.
0: I think, too, I mean, it's still pretty darn communistic, but I think with this whole modern society, sort of, and the Western influence, and these other big-named clothing brands going there and allowing that to be something they could, you know, make it their own, Mm -hmm. uh, but but yeah, it's 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 huge there. I I don't know when it's. It's also
1: got those big chat features like WhatsApp and WeChat, mm-hmm. which allows retailers to communicate directly. Yes. To
0: the consumer. target for sure. Everything. Yeah. yeah, they can
1: t- totally communicate directly. They can sell the most up to date trend mm-hmm. or product available. Yes hoping and, that the consumer then goes, ooh, I want that, and then comes and immediately spends the money and mm-hmm. then does it again next week and so on and so
0: forth. Right. And I don't know how much of secondhand vintage stores there are in China. I'm assuming not a lot, as many as we have here.
1: See, I shop a lot of vintage and secondhand, and I, I see a couple of Asian people every now and then, but is shopping vintage and secondhand a thing? Thing that Asian people, by and large, do because it doesn't feel
0: like it. Not that I know of. I, i honestly, from growing up Asian and and what my mom kind of with my mom. I remember I was at a Goodwill or I was at somewhere and I liked something and my mom was like, "Ooh, like you're not gonna buy something that someone else has worn." Oh, is that you? looked down upon? Yeah. Oh. I I got this feeling that it wasn't okay,
1: and oh. I thought and I thought.
0: Wait, but but people do this. You just, you buy clothes because it's cheaper and it's still good and you're recycling and all this stuff. And I think they look down upon it. I don't think it's something classy that you do if you are of some sort of status. Got
1: it. Yeah. Is it the idea of like wearing someone else's clothes is gross or is it the idea of you want to buy something new because it signifies a
0: status? Yeah. So if you want this white dress that you found, why don't you just buy it new? God. And the fact that someone else has worn, someone else has sweated through it, someone else ah. has dirtied it, someone else has stained it, the washing and the cleaning and the drawer, whatever, if it's even, you know, obviously it's going to be washed. Right. Just the fact that someone else has soiled it mm. makes, there's some sort of attachment that you are not it's Worthy. not desirable.
1: It's not someone else's essence is definitely in those fibers. Yes, Got and
0: it. it's it's definitely looked down upon.
1: That's so interesting because my father is a big proponent of shopping secondhand, shopping vintage. He's done it his entire life, and I shop a lot of vintage, secondhand, and small boutique. I think mm. you and I are at two very opposite ends of the no fast fashion <laughs> spectrum because you come at it from an environmental standpoint, which I think is great. Yeah, I come at it from an Individual standpoint, where I don't like to see the clothes that I have on the backs
0: of other people,
1: which is why I don't like to shop fast fashion stores.
0: So, so as far as so you're not so anything that's trendy or trending, I don't really like that word. So you don't you don't care for trends. Here's the thing about trends: when it comes to a trend.
1: It's not for every body type. Not every body type is right for every trend. And I also feel like with trends, you get everyone wanting to wear it and be a part of it. And if everyone is doing it, I don't want to do it. That's so inspiring. Yeah, I'm like so I'm inspired very by big you. on being individual. I'm willing to buy less, but then splurge on a really unique vintage item that I know no one else will have that I can dress up five to 10 different ways and wear five to 10 different ways and get that cost per wear Mm -hmm. versus going to a fast fashion store and just getting a cute going out top that (laughs) there's 30 of them on the rack. So I'm going to have that top and 29 other girls are too. So I might walk into a bar and I might see three other girls with that top (laughs) on and Jackie, you laugh, you laugh. I have gone right home and changed my clothes when I see that happening. I don't like really? I'm, being an individual and having a very unique sense of personal style is so important. Wow. I am unapologetically individual and I'm yeah, unapologetic
0: are. about the fact that I want to be the only owner of the clothing that I wear. I remember when I first met you. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the first time you met me. I don't know. But but shoot. <laughs> and I hope that doesn't offend you. No, not at all. Your voice in itself is so powerful (laughs) and is individual on its own. Thank you. I always tell people at work when you come in, I'm like, Alana's here. I don't know where she is. I don't know when I'll see her, but I hear her voice Mm -hmm. and I know she's in the building. Yeah. Uh, When I first met you, you were not that you were intense in a domineering sort of I'm better than you kind of way, but you were very like, this is me. Mm Mm-hmm. And you better like it. Or or this is me and this is who I am. And yeah. and so f- that very f- you, you made a very strong impact on me of that you were just going to be you and you didn't care who you're around. Because I have this, and I don't know if it's because I'm a woman in society, you know, docile and I have to submit in culture. Uh-oh. But I've Model definitely, minority. right? But I've definitely found myself sometimes being a lot more different around certain people because of who they are. Got it. Versus because of who I want to be, just because I want to be that. Interesting. Got it. And I pride myself on being myself no matter what situation I am in. Yes. And you're not rude about it, you're just you. And I find that very inspiring and it kind of bleeds into your fashion. Totally. I do think that fashion is an extension of self expression. And I feel like,
1: how can I value individuality? if I shop at stores that everyone else shops at, and yeah. I run the risk of wearing what someone else is wearing.
0: Mm.
1: So, so did you, you say your father really inspired you? My dad is huge into shopping secondhand, and into shopping vintage. So is he like a fashionable man? He is a very fashionable man. Really? My mother is too. She's a fashionable
0: woman. So um, you're both your parents have it.
1: Yeah, but my mom doesn't necessarily shop vintage the way that my dad does and always has. Mm. Like My mom can identify when something is fashionable and vintage, But I don't know if she likes to wear vintage clothing. Like, I don't think that she likes to pillage through a vintage store. Because it does take time. Uh, Yes. You know, it takes time to, like, sort through vintage and secondhand racks to come to a gem or a treasure. Definitely. And I think she's a little more like, I don't want to do that. I want to go to this store where I know they're going to have X, Y, and Z for me. Buy it. Accessorize it the way that I will. Over and on with it. But I've always been a huge shopper of... Of vintage. I think it has something to do with the fact that fast fashion really, I think, hit its stride when we were teenagers. Yeah,
0: for sure. And like hanging out in the mall was a big that thing started. Yeah, where are we gonna go? We're gonna go to the mall. Right. And that's when mall started having everything. Mall started having movie theaters, yeah, food court. Exactly. And you could do all and it was safe, right? Mm-hmm. So your parents knew that you weren't being a hooligan yeah. on the street. You were well, obviously hopefully. Hopefully, went <laughs> out there. If you were hooligan, that's cool too. Um, but if you, it was safe. You mm-hmm. knew nothing was gonna. You weren't. Well, hopefully not. But it w- it was generally safe.
1: Yeah, and yes. also a byproduct of like hanging out at the mall with your friends was inevitably you would go to a Forever Twenty One mm-hmm. or a Wet Seal or a yes, Charlotte yes, Russe. Yes. Rest Claire's. And, Claire's. and you would shop alongside your friends. Yes. And for a lot of my friends, they would all buy the same thing so they could like twin the next day at school. And, and you weren't about that. I- uh, even to this day, I don't necessarily like shopping with my friends or with other people. It's
0: like a, it's such a girl's thing to do. What it are we is. Go, Let's go shopping. But I also don't
1: want other people's opinions on the clothing that I wear.
0: Because you're so set on them. Yeah. See, I'm still... I'd like to be where you are in a couple of years, but sometimes I'm still like... You can be. You I'm can I'm like, be. does this look good? Does this color look good? Is this this? Well,
1: like, that's when you take a picture of yourself wearing the garment and then you send it to a friend and you go, hey, I need your opinions. Mm, I've done that plenty of times. But I'm not the girl that's like, hey, Jack, come here. Let's shop this rack together. Oh, this would look good on you. Alana, this would look good on you. Uh-uh. I don't do that stuff. <laughs> no. You go to your end of the store. I will I love, go to my end of the store. I'll call it. you when I'm heading to the dressing room. We could be in the you know yeah, dressing, dressing rooms right next to each, each other. other. But- I'm not letting you pick out clothes for me because the clothes that I pick out are an extension of my personality. And and we have different personalities. Exactly.
0: Huh. Yeah. Aha moment, y'all. Just here alone. Not alone. (laughs) She's next to me, but. Wow. Cool. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that with fast
1: fashion, I think you do lose individuality. I think you do lose mm, also quality. Totally. Yes, Because fast fashion is all about quantity first, consumption first, quality is like very
0: low, low to the bottom. Low, low, low. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it in their world countries.
1: Yeah. And I mean, these clothes <laughs> are designed to fall apart. They're designed to be disposable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the origin of fast fashion was essentially, it was, um, it was a model from a product-driven concept. And that product-driven concept was the quick response model. Mm. This is cool. Let's recreate it. Let's get it into stores. Yeah. It'll be out and we'll be on to something new.
0: I just don't think they understood what an impact they were actually going to have on developing countries. And, the you know, obviously they're thinking about profit. That's fucking it. But right. But now now that there's all these committees and these people and these stores that I know H&M started this thing where you bring in your clothes, you'll get 30% off this, mm-hmm. we're going to recycle. And they're, they're trying, I get it. I just, there needs to be more.
1: Yes. Question. So for me, Asian women have a really killer sense of style.
0: How Most in, of them, yes. Yeah,
1: like really amazing. Yeah. I find myself going like... Like okay. they're bold, yo! I want to steal that. Like yeah. that is a dope look. How important is it for Asian women to be on trend? Because it seems Ooh. like it seems like it's a really important thing mm-hmm. for Asian women.
0: Yeah. I, if talking about trends, Asians love trends. Got it. They okay. Love it. It goes from the cars to the handbags ah. to the shoes to the hair color Why? to the haircut. Why are they so into trends?
1: Just a question. Uh,
0: Honestly, I think the root of it all still Mm -hmm. is probably stemming from culturally and and communism. Okay. I think because they didn't have something of their own for so long that the minute someone, something, some celebrity made that haircut cool, they had that cool look. Mm -hmm. Then everyone else wants to get it.
1: Do you think it's a validation thing? Like, I, I want to be validated as cool and, like,
0: I fit into whatever culture they're looking to fit into. Yeah, it's also status because ah, okay. I-, I talk about this all the time amongst my Asian friends where you literally get someone who l- they ha- don't have their hair done, they kind of look kind of shitty, but they're wearing, like, a Gucci shirt and, like, $1,000 shoes, you know? Wow. And for me, I'm always so confused mm-hmm. because... I take pride in my beingness being up to par with how much I'm spending and what I'm wearing. Okay. Like if I'm going to wear something that's $1,000, I'm going to talk and feel and look like $1,000. Yeah, for sure. And there's this big, big uh, gap between if you find someone who's wearing a lot of brand name clothes, you would think that they are, they have good etiquette or they have you know manners and and social skills and know how to eat with a knife and fork, but a lot of that doesn't happen. So it's like if you like if you look at the fob culture here. Oh, you know, I get what you're saying. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Got it. Okay. Where you're like, hey, you're being rude as hell right now. You're in America. You're sporting all this. You're you're driving a Maserati. You're wearing a Gucci shirt. You have a Louis Vuitton wallet. Okay. You know you got crispy bills in your wallet, but you're acting like a fool. Huh. And though that's what bothers me, I mean, got obviously ahead. we're getting a little off track here, but but that is, and the fact that they are that they do follow trends because if someone, it it is, I think ultimately comes down to that.
1: Okay, yeah. got it. And just for those of you who are like, what is fob culture? Fob is fresh off the boat. Fresh off the boat, that's and we have
0: we have a lot of them here for sure in Pasadena mm-hmm. and Arcadia, Mon- uh, the S- uh, San Gabriel Valley, the Sixty Six. It's just kind of they've 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 infiltrated.
1: So you're saying that. The fresh-off-the-boat culture that exists here, they wear the trends. They wear the cool shit that the celebrities and influencers are They also have a shit ton of money. Well, yeah. Yeah. What that goes, without saying, right, 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 Um, But they're doing it to look as though they fit in?
0: Yeah, to, to look as though they fit in, to be cool, to be validated, to show without having to talk. Yeah, okay. Right? If you look at someone that literally has... And I've always been... Maybe my sense is a little not as bold, because okay. if I'm gonna ha- wear something name brand, I don't like it to be in your fucking face. Yeah, I'm not you're gonna not wear... a billboard. No, I'm not. and I've never been a big fan of that at all. But a lot of the big bold sometimes, especially the younger generation, I guess people more among amongst my age, they will go and they they will be bold. And so I guess it's a way of like making a presence without having to necessarily. Be that with your energy and with your beingness. Got it. More with your fashion. Got it. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. I would also wonder, this is just literally my mind going, let's say that you don't necessarily speak the language here in the United States. Yeah. But, but you, a lot of them don't. But you wear all the right stuff, you go to all the right places, you drive the right car. I mean, that is a way of saying to society around you, I fit in here, I belong here, without having to... Tell on myself the Mm -hmm. minute that I open my mouth and you know that I am not American. Totally.
0: And they're righteous about it. They're so righteous about it. Really?
1: Yeah. How important is it for Asian people to be deemed as inherently American?
0: Is that like an important thing? You know, I I don't necessarily know because I was born here, so I feel very American, but I also feel very... Asian in the sense of appreciating my culture, appreciating the language, appreciating the cuisine. Mm -hmm. Whereas someone who is a fob, depending on what age you came here, I think if you come here at 10, between 10 to 15, you have a better chance of assimilating and understanding the American culture because you maybe go through school and Mm -hmm. you go through kids your age. But if you come here for college... Or post-college. You got a lot of catching up to do. You still. have a lot of catching up to do. And they don't necessarily think that that is something that they should be doing. Got it. So they might come off very ignorant okay. and very rude. And and sort of there is that fob culture where people are just seeing like, oh, well, you have a ton of money to waste, mm. you know? Yeah. You, you, you're you wearing all this and you're driving all this. But when you open your mouth, you don't know how to speak English. Right. So thank thank you for investing money into our country yeah. but don't you also want some some back? That's how I see it. Like if I'm going to go to a country and be completely like a fob in another country, right. I'd want to learn as much as I I could and, totally. and bring myself and learn and absorb. But again, it, it's it's that ignorance that we're talking about. They they don't know what they don't know. Okay. Yeah. And uh, growing up in Arcadia, that that was everywhere. You know, mm. and you see that in a lot of other places too, just Fops coming into the States and just really continuing that sort of... We could have an episode on this, like the fob stereotype. Yeah, it's, it sounds like we could have an episode Every, on I'm it. sure a lot of people, at least in California, could relate. But other states like Texas, I'm sure, New York, Boston. Yeah. You know?
1: Interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so now we know why fast fashion is so popular in Asian cultures. It's even popular here among Asian people. I'm, yeah, definitely. But what can people do to not buy into the fast
0: fashion cycle? Well, first of all, I think I can only speak for myself. And if you're like me, who's a sensitive little baby, sometimes learn your facts, (laughs) know what's happening in other countries, developing countries, little children, family and mothers. And if that really affects you as profoundly as it affected me, you only shop in either vintage, secondhand, or specifically made in USA stores mm-hmm. or US US brands.
1: That's why American Apparel was so cool.
0: Yeah. It yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and also just consume less. Like, yeah. That's a big one. Totally. Like this whole consumer world, capitalistic, it's like you don't need to consume that much. Mm-hmm. You really don't.
1: I totally agree. I think... Um... For me, if a price is too good to be true, it generally is. Yeah. <laughs> Do not be fooled. Do not be fooled that that Forever 21 dress is that's 20 bucks is going to wear like a $2,000 Gucci dress. It's not. <laughs> also, don't try once those hems start falling out or the snaps pop off. Don't think that you can return it to Forever 21. They're going to
0: give you some Hell money back. No. Hell no. No, they already got your money. I mean, thank God my mom's mom was a seamstress and my mom taught me how to sew. Also, too, they realize they, those, those things are cookie cutters, right? Yeah. So everybody's body's different. Totally. Every single tank top that I have bought from Forever 21, I have at least, we're being real transparent here, guys, 15 of them. Okay. Right? That were like, one i I'm like, great deal. Yeah. Buying it. Yeah. Uh, I have had to alter every single one of them, and I bet that costs more than the
1: actual garment yeah, itself. Yeah, this one I'm
0: wearing right now, I altered it. Dress for said, radio. I told dress for like, podcasting. Yeah, like, look, look, I altered it. Oh, you did. Yeah, because but you've I'm, always been able to
1: sew clothes. You've always had a knack for that because you can sew. I,
0: I enjoy it. It's 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 therapeutic for me, and I feel sort of empowered that I can either make or create or alter my clothes. So I'm not at the at the will of. Putting, you know, everyone has a pile where they're like too short, too totally. big, too wide, whatever, and yeah. I and I hated feeling powerless because I'm like I spent my money on that garment, I'm gonna fucking wear it.
1: That is really empowering. Yeah, and
0: so whether it's either you take it to get hemmed or altered, I think everyone should do that. Right. Or you give it away, or you make it work for someone else. But I'm not the average size, but I'm more petite, and so I found that all of these tank tops would be so low on me, mm. and I couldn't wear them because my boobs would show, and right. I didn't want that, and so. I had to alter of every 15 one of them. Oh, no. And, I, and every time I'd get a new one to alter, I'd be like, why did I do this to myself?
1: All for a $1.99 All tank for top.
0: for $1.99. See, man. that's when
1: the deal... That's when the deal's not a deal <laughs> no, anymore. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah, too no, good to that's be when true. It's work, totally.
0: So I'm with you. Like, $1.99, one solution... but you must alter it on your own. Full disclosure.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm with you. One solution is buy less. Another solution is save your money and invest in more quality pieces. That are not going to, that you're not going to wear out over the span of a season. And will last. Totally. Totally, Yeah. Absolutely. Another option is have clothing swaps with your friends. You know, set up a little mimosa bar, a little Bellini bar, get your fashionable male and female friends, have them bring their clothes that they're not going to wear anymore, have them each maybe bring a little nosh, a little snack, and, (laughs) you know, you show up, you get a little buzz on, get some new clothes (laughs) for the new season, you leave with a full belly. And you, you help the environment that way. And it's social. It's yeah. a fun way of, of yeah. socializing. Like a yearly, while... yeah, yeah, like a seasonal whatever it may be. Yeah, totally. And you could do it four times a year.
0: That's awesome. I you love know? that. Make it a
1: social thing. Well, if you ever have one. I will let you know. Okay. I used to do my it a little... lot more when I was younger and my friends all sort of lived closer or lived in sure. California. But I think that's a great way of doing I do that. It. I
0: actually kind of do that with my brother's girlfriend when I don't want something. She's a little bit more curvier and petite than I am. But sometimes I end up finding things like either shrink weird or fit my body weird. And I'll, like I'll just like once they're clean and folded, I'll just leave a whole pile on her bed. And I'm uh. like, hey, I don't want those. Check them out. <laughs> and our house has a couple girls, so we'll like, if they're too big or too small, then she'll give it to the next one and the right. next one. And we just sort of, and it, uh, there, there's we always find a home. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah. You always find a home for cool that's clothes. So, yeah, that's so smart. You can also make a capsule collection. Have you ever done this? What is that? So a capsule collection, it's when you pick 30 pieces that you love, that are well-made, that are versatile, that you can basically mix and match. match. So maybe you get a couple nice pairs of pants, a couple nice dresses, one blouses. or two shorts, maybe a couple of blouses, a skirt or two, a heel, a sandal, a sneaker, um a blazer or two a leather jacket pieces that are well made that are good foundation pieces and then you sprinkle in a couple of trendy items mm. and you mix and mash those pieces maybe you've got a sexy bodycon dress that you can wear with heels out on a Friday night but maybe you can also put that bodycon dress underneath a skirt and mm. then it's like a top, top. skirt situation and sneakers pair with a cute sneaker yeah. and you can go and have brunch oh. you know or maybe you have Uh, A nice trouser and blouse situation that you can wear to work, but then maybe you take off that blouse and you put on a really pretty going out top. And
0: you mean capsule, like take this on as a challenge? If you want to, yeah. Or if Glamour you're traveling magazine, or something. Yeah.
1: Glamour, Glamour Magazine does a really great demonstration those. of that.
0: And they show all the pieces. Totally. Right. Mix, and, and it match.
1: definitely takes the pressure out of what am I going to wear today? Because hmm. if you've, you have your 30 go-to pieces that you can mix and match, yeah. that's not really a problem. Like, right. You have enough options to last you for a month. Definitely. You know? Cool. Another option is shopping vintage, shopping secondhand. Shop eBay. Shop Etsy, shop any sort of gently used secondhand store where they're going to have gently used. Buffalo Exchange, Crossroads, places where clothes are vetted by buyers ahead of time so that Uh they're on trend, they're not completely falling apart. They're not completely stained. That's another way to ensure that you're getting quality pieces and trendy pieces Mm -hmm. for not as much money. Hmm. And you can always dress it up and dress it down
0: however you would like. I really like that.
1: Yeah. Another option is, like you said, learning how to sew.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like take that empowerment into your own hands. That would be my
0: ultimate goal is to, once I sort of get through this whole box of garment that's garments that need to be altered, and then sort of analyzing my wardrobe and seeing what I want to keep, some some specific pieces getting rid of a bunch and then I'd love to really fully take a course and learn how to do patterns nice and so because we've all been there don't you just fucking love when something fits like a glove the best you're like fuck yes you're mine it's right up there taking you home right now and we're making sweet sweet love Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be inside of you and it's gonna be great it's gonna be awesome right yeah I and that never, rarely happens to me, first of all. So when it does, I you know, I, I realize I need to just, I need to make my own clothes.
1: Yeah. And okay. let's say that a pair of jeans maybe fits tighter around the thigh mm-hmm. area, but it's not too tight around the waist. If you learned how to sew, you could turn that pair of jeans into a denim skirt. Totally. And you could take that one garment, you
0: can t- essentially turn it into two garments, take it from yeah. winter to spring and summer. Yeah, my, wait, there's this one, like, fish It's like so 70s. It's like a fish dress Mm -hmm. that my aunt... My grandma was a seamstress, so all my aunts, my mom, have sort of this little nifty sewing jean uh, nice uh, my aunt made a shirt and shorts mm-hmm. out of the big fish skirt cool and it's still somehow in our family like from one cousin to another cousin to another cousin and Dope. somehow the long line someone ended up with a pair of shorts and the pair of fish shirts it's just hilarious and
1: guess what no one else is gonna have those garments no. not a single other person other than maybe someone in your family <laughs> yeah. is going to have those garments yeah. but also if you can sew you save yourself money on altering on tailoring things like that yeah and
0: it's creative and it can become a hobby and it can become a great way to express yourself. Yeah. Great way. A great way to express (laughs) yourself.
1: (laughs) Another option is buy ethical clothing. Look into, if you have a line that you love, look into Mm. where they source their materials, get their dyes. Uh, also ask yourself if you're looking at a garment that's imported, remember that if a garment travels from halfway around the world, <gasps> that contributes to climate change. yeah, if it's traveled thousands of miles to get, Toronto, yeah yeah, to get into your closet oh I mean gosh. the carbon footprint impact of yes. that is huge. huge. so look into buying ethical labels. I'll just give you a couple to name a few. you've got Reformation, people tree, everlane, zadie of a kind, Mara Hoffman, Rag and Bone, Matt and Nat, good old-fashioned Levi's. Yes. Good old-fashioned Levi's. Need to get a pair. Always dope. Patagonia. Patagonia. Packed apparel a day, packed. or if you are really big balling, Stella McCartney. Ah. Um, and I'll also include these brands in the show notes if any of you are feeling inspired and want to look into these lines closer.
0: I uh, sure you can I am. have them
1: right at your fingertips
0: such a fashionista
1: well thank you (laughs) uh another option is shop until you have all the clothes you need so if you take the the
0: essentials right yeah
1: like if you take the capsule wardrobe suggestion let's say that you wore out your good pair of pants and your tennis shoes well then go buy
0: another nice pair of pants and tennis shoes and don't buy anything Mm -hmm. else my biggest issue is booties okay i get one pair of booty and i'm like I need I need one with with a thicker heel, and then I get another. And I'm like, I need one uh, that's pointier, and then I get another one, and it just I and then I have it to. It just keeps going. It just and keeps going, going you know? and then I end up looking, and I'm like, they all kind of still look the fucking same. Totally. So but calm yo your ass. Made a
1: list of what you needed. Just made a list. Yeah. I need a pair of pointy toe booties. I need a nice blouse. I need a denim jacket. Mm, I should do that. Buy those three items, and you're done. Yeah. Leave the mall. Right. Like, go.
0: I think a great one is go to the mall, go to wherever you're going to go shop with a focused intention on what you need and not necessarily going with like just a whatever, blah, because that's when it gets dangerous. Yeah. And that's when you end up leaving with 10. Sale items mm-hmm. or ten somethings that you just couldn't help.
1: It's like going to the grocery store when you're hungry. You're always going to leave with ten to twenty percent
0: more groceries than you need because you're fucking starving. Right. Yeah. I mean, at least you can eat those eventually. But with the clothes, mm-hmm. it'll, well, not always. Not always. Oh. I mean, it
1: depends on how hungry you are and what you buy.
0: That's true. You buy like five bags of chips versus right.
1: Like my general rule of thumb when I'm grocery shopping is like I never go starving. I always go on a full stomach so that I buy only what I need.
0: That's smart. Yeah. If
1: I'm fashion starved, I'm gonna <laughs> buy more clothes than I need which is going to contribute to this environmental problem. Yeah. But if I know what I need I'm just going to go to the store that I know is going to have what I need get it and go.
0: And I am doing I also too I end up really buying things I'm like oh I need this oh I need that but then I look at my week and what I actually wear is mm-hmm. just work clothes of course, and then leggings and the fashion is- they got you <laughs> they preyed on your insecurity they preyed <laughs> oh, on the fact gosh. that you felt out of trend and they were like ha 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 we're gonna get Jackie's yeah. money I'm like I'm totally gonna need to wear this one flower crop top <gasps> never
1: right oh, exactly <laughs> never but I mean if you ever come across an item and you're like do I need this do I not consider the cost per wear Mm. If I'm going to invest in a $150 dress, I am going to wear that dress 15 times Mm -hmm. to get my cost per wear out of it. Mm. If I only can justify wearing that dress. Yeah. If I can only justify wearing that dress once or twice, it's not a good purchase. I'm wasting my money because I'm not getting the cost per
0: wear. I see.
1: Or along those same lines, if you see an item and you're like, hmm, do I need this? Do I not? Think of three to five different ways that you can wear that item. Yeah. If you can't
0: right off o- right off the bat right off right? the bat
1: yeah this which is why online shopping is really good if you see an item you like online look at your wardrobe and see how it fits in or or if it doesn't fit in yeah and then if it doesn't fit in maybe don't buy that item because you're not going to get a lot of use out of it yeah totally finally wash less and hang dry I mm. feel like we in the United States boil the shit out of our clothes. <laughs> we wash our clothes in scalding hot water. And that water ruins and it. And it ruins the integrity of the fibers. Yeah. Also, when we dry, uh, dry a lot in the dryer, it ruins the integrity of the fibers as well. Yeah. Lawn I dryer. love
0: drying my clothes because well, I'm Asian and I don't want to. Yeah, but, so but you're on to
1: something. Yeah. You're on to something. Take a page out of, an, out of Jackie's book and line dry your clothes. Right. Wash your clothes in cool water as opposed to boiling hot water, which is yeah. bad for the color and it's bad for the fabric. Mm-hmm. And it will make your clothes last longer mm-hmm. if you wash on colder settings and you hang dry.
0: Mm-hmm. Or ha- and, and hand wash too, the ones that you need to hand wash. Do that
1: as well. Yeah. It's like being
0: a dancer when I was growing up and like hand washing my tights. I used oh to no, love doing I have that. so many memories, leotards and tights.
1: So there's a lot of different ways that you can wear ethical clothing, that you can wear clothing that's not fast fashion, but you will still be on trend. Right. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for all of that. Definitely. I'll put these, these uh, ethical apparel lines in the show notes maybe i'll even put these suggestions in the show notes as well so that if anyone wants to refer back to them you have them as a guide yeah but definitely. fast fashion is killing the environment it's quite literally killing people across the world yep. and we have to step up and we have to care and mm-hmm. we have to take responsibility so let's do it yeah guys let's, all do let's it together. jump on
0: board it's now or never
1: Totally. Yeah. If this episode has inspired you, we would love to know how you've made please, changes please, please. in your wardrobe. Find us on Instagram. Send us photos. Yeah. We want to know how, if this has impacted you, if this has influenced you. Send us photos of your new on-trend secondhand pieces. We would love to ow, ow. see them. Find us on Instagram at Black and Yellow Podcast. If you want to reach out to myself, Alana Webster, I am at Renegade of Fun.
0: I am Jacqueline Chung Young. On the handle, and thanks for tuning in, guys. Yep, this
1: episode was produced by Christian Humes at Zeitheist, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.